you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Sounds like he hasn't changed. I get the feeling you have a past with this Vito. I knew he was a sadistic bastard back when we started the Blue Suns. The Suns only got meaner after he staged his little coup 20 years ago. So yeah, we have a past. Why didn't anyone tell me you founded the Blue Suns? Because it's not common knowledge. Vito wiped me out of the records. He ran the books, I led the men. Worked real well for a while. Then Vito decided to start hiring Batarians. Cheaper labor, he said. Goddamn terrorists, I said. Twenty years is a long time to hold a grudge. A grudge? Vito turned my men against me. He paid six of them to restrain me while he put a gun to my head and pulled the trigger. For twenty years I've seen that bastard every time I closed my eyes. Every time I sighted down on a target. Every time I heard a gunshot. Don't you call that a goddamn grudge? You survived a gunshot to the head? Yeah. And you survived your ship getting disintegrated. A stubborn enough person can survive just about anything. Rage is a hell of an anesthetic. We'd better get moving. Hello and welcome to Squad Goals, a Mass Effect Legendary Edition podcast, where we're discussing our experiences playing through the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. My name is Nick Zalinkevich, and I'm joined by Chip Locke. Howdy, Space Cowboys. And Corey Kurabara Treadway. Greetings from space. And this is episode number 34, and we are continuing our journey through Mass Effect 2 and the loyalty missions in particular, as this week we look at the DLC loyalty missions for... Zaid, my boy, and Kasumi. So I don't think this isn't really one of those situations where there's a lot for us to talk about going into it. They're two very separate loyalty missions. The only oh, real yeah. unifying theme between the two is that they're DLC. I'm yeah. going to go out on a limb here and say that Kasumi's loyalty mission is, I think, a little bit cooler. Um, although I would say Zaid's is probably more impactful. Structure-wise, yes. like, just like the gameplay of the two missions is quite different, and it fits the characters both really well, because, like, yeah. Well, coming back to play, remember the vague outline of Zaid's loyalty mission, and, and I, I forgot the key fact that you learn in there, but I, you know, I yeah. remember the vague, oh, yeah, he's got that, there's that refinery you got to go to, and, you know, there's fire everywhere and stuff, but... I really remembered Kasumi's mission because it stands out so much. Like, oh, that's Shepard at a dinner party. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so Bond. Like, it's so good. I love it. Yes. So yeah. with all of that said, um, let's get it, let's get into it here. Let's hear about Zaid's mission. Zaid tells Shepard that as a condition of his collaboration with Cerberus, he has a mission to complete reclaiming an Elfel Ashland refinery from the Blue Suns. Shepard and Zaid land on the planet, and immediately they are hearing radio chatter from someone named Vito, that they have been spotted, and the Blue Suns are to take them out. They 
find some bodies in the jungle that were executed with shots in the back of the head, and Zaid comments that that is Vito's style. They encounter an initial squad of mercenaries, and after dispatching them, Zaid tells Shepard that he founded the Blue Sons with Vito, and Vito shot Zaid in the face and removed his name from the history of the group. They fight through some more mercs and enter the refinery. Vito taunts Zaid from a balcony, so Zaid responds by shooting the gas behind Vito, causing an explosion. Shepard warns Zaid to be more careful as the fire is going to destroy the refinery. A worker appears, reporting that other employees are trapped by the fire. Zaid insists that killing Vito is the only thing that matters, and Shepard must choose whether to save the workers or pursue Vito. Depending on the choice, after fighting through the plant and destroying a mech, Zaid exits the facility just in time to shoot and blow up Vito. Or, he can take pot shots at Vito's fleeing shuttle. One of the pot shots drops a heat sink into a gas puddle, which triggers an explosion that drops a column on Zaid. Shepard can lecture Zaid about what it means to be on a team. Yeah, so I was kicking myself for not remembering he made the Blue Suns. Like, it was, it, it's one of those little things that it's, it's, once you realize that, it's so obvious. And it's also so annoying because the Blue Suns are such a recurring thorn in your side. Oh, yeah. And it's like, dude, like, your boss is right here. Like, like can't, like, Zaid just tell him all to go. Oh, it's obvious why Zaid can't tell him to go, you know, go F off because oh, fucking you know, he's no Vito, longer man. Well, yeah. It's like it's been, been many years and anybody who pro- he probably hired, he hired are gone and dead. So, like, these people don't give a shit that this guy was a founder. Yeah, how many of us remember who the actual founder of our organization was? If they walked into your face and started talking to you, but well, I mean, I've I've worked for or you know like companies where like leadership has changed and whatnot, um, but but it hasn't been quite as long. It's also not as uh, it's also not as lethal if you leave the organization. Mm-hmm. I should say that's also true. <laughs> so there's a little bit more institutional memory in that regard. But. Yeah, this mission is very interesting for me because it's like the, the first one whenever I originally played this 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 game through. It was the first one I tackled like as soon as you could play it because I didn't really understand what a loyalty mission was. I'm like, ah, I'm gonna try this thing over here. Sure. And I and I did not do it the right way at all because I'm like, oh, I'm playing Paragon. I should go save these guys. Oh shit, he's really mad at me for doing that. Well, that was a problem. <laughs> oh, and you couldn't talk him down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. And I didn't yeah, know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cause there's not uh, like a wrong way. I mean, I you that letting all those people die is not ideal either. But yeah. Yeah, that's it's one of those things where like superhero shep all these people and I'll I'll take care of this and I'll tell Zaid to shut up and we'll you know, we'll 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 get most of the objectives met here. Everything will be great. Cause yeah, there's a lot of fire on this place. Yeah. Just a little I, bit. So in the in the Paragon ending, uh, or whatever, right? Like you, you save the people. Because I replayed this. I think I replayed it three times, actually, when I did it. Because I think I did like the Renegade, and then I did the Paragon. And then I was like, eh, I go back to the Renegade. Um, but in the Paragon, you see Vito's ship like kind of look like it goes down do we think he's dead or like does it really matter i think in the paragon he actually still he just gets away still that's why it's not clear to me that he gets away no no i think it's one of those it's intentionally left uh, ambiguous so that they can bring him back later if they want to just be like oh yeah and Vito's dead which i don't think they do um now i'm gonna look but I, I don't think like he even gets a nod in three. Like I think he's just 
goes away. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what sort of like uh, uh, what sort of roles Aid plays in th- in some capacity, assuming he survives the game. Mm-hmm. You know, just at least for some kind of check in. And so, I'm I am curious to see there. I feel like. I don't know. One of the one of my my bugaboos about these loyalty missions is like, how much does it change the character? And I feel like I don't know if he, I don't know if Zaid necessarily changes as a result of this, but I feel like Shepard can can make a Shepard can kind of reach him on a level and make him think. You know, maybe he doesn't change now, but it's like the seeds have been planted that like you know if you visit you know Zaid like later on, he's going to be like, oh yeah, things are you know I've I've changed a little bit. I'm 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 improving myself slightly. I think for Zaid, that's about right. So for Kasumi's loyalty mission, which we'll talk about, the last decision you make in that makes a fairly big difference for her in three. Yes. Uh, But for Zaid, I don't think it's like a huge difference. Well, Well, this one here. Oh, you're going to say something, Kara? I was saying the big difference is like you get to see him throw a a freaking flame grenade at the guy and burn his face off. (laughs) Makes, Makes him pretty happy. It's true. Well, that's the thing here. I mean, the, the I mean the whole motif of like the the fire, sort of you know symbolizing like his rage, and this is just Zaid literally like consumed by re- revenge, you know, vengeance, and that's all he is here. I mean, he he has he has the awesome quote when he goes through his backstory, and and at least we ex- you know explain. I, I think I said it in an earlier episode when we first meet him. I was like, he's got a face that only a mother could love, and we find out why that is yeah. because he literally got shot in the face and survived, which, you know, and then Shepard asks him about that. And he says that rage is a hell of an anesthetic. Oh yeah. That is a great line. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like it's, it's, you know, and, and Zayed, you know, you go, you visit him down in the lower decks of the Normandy and he's always there and he's always like, yeah, okay. He's a tough, you know, mercenary son of a bitch. Like you get that part of it, but he doesn't seem like he has any real, like he, he's like, yeah, I'm a mercenary. That's who I am. I understand that. I acknowledge that. But he doesn't have any kind of like main like trauma that you can see, like any main problem. It's just like, yeah, he's just a tough guy that went into a tough career and he's, he's you know, thrived in that capacity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here you learn like, OK, no, this is his trauma. This is what drives him, that he is just an angry, angry old dude. And. Yeah, it makes sense. Like this, this is the source of that. That this is this, you know, his his vengeance for Vito is all consuming. Yeah, I find it interesting that he's basically just a human version of a Krogan. <laughs> and he's a good, right that's down a the good hall. summary. He, yeah, he's also right down the hall from another from just another just Krogan. That's true. That's true. They both are both on the same floor, but it's. I don't know. This is all about anger. And I mean, as much as Shepard can try to temper that and even telling him like, dude, like you can't got to come to terms with it because uh, again, a little bit to Jack's mm-hmm. where even then, like at the end of that mission there, like Jack is all about, no, I need to destroy this place. Like, let me, you know, let me kill this guy. Let me destroy this place. And Shepard can try to come in and be the voice of reason. And Jack just gets pissed. And it's the same thing here that if you don't let him, if you, if you don't let him try to kill Vito, he gets angry and it like Shepard actually has to like, be like, look, like, you know, like shut up. You're part of my team. I paid you good money for this. Just, you know, get in line. I mean, there is an outcome where you leave him to die. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. 
you know, you I can mean, just be I've like, I've had accident. enough. <laughs> really? Yeah. A couple of times I didn't mean to. It's like, and he did not come back. Oh, no. Oops. <laughs> Was that before or after the suicide mission? Before, uh, on this mission, you can leave him to mm-hmm. die. Okay, because I my understanding is you can kill him after the suicide mission. And during the suicide mission. <laughs> well, yeah. Do, yeah, but that's... <laughs> I've done that, but not intentionally. <laughs> sure, yeah. There are a lot of ways to kill Zaid, and for some reason, they're not intentional a lot of times. Well, you could intentionally even do it, but... Every time I don't, I'm like, oops, let's save scum this real quick. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. Not go well. No, because as, as we said, at the, at the end, you know, as, depending on the choices you've made throughout this mission, like either Vito kind of gets away and like Zaid's just kind of shooting in anguish or Vito's still there. Just shoot the crap out of him. Yeah. One weird thing about Vito is like, I guess maybe he's like, a, just has a good head doctor or something, but he looks very, fairly young. He does. Compared yeah. to Zaid. It's like, how young were you when you both started this? Well, the question is, how young would Zaid look if his face wasn't blown apart? That could I mean, also they, be true. That's a, <laughs> it's a fair could, point. Yeah. He might be like tw- 28 and just really not look good for his age. Well, if he's 28, that means he started like what? When he was eight? <laughs> <laughs> Eight-year-old Zaid's like, hey, yep. Eight-year-old to the galaxy. World's most grizzled <laughs> eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He had stubble at like age twelve. Like. <laughs> all, the, yeah, all all those stories about him like fighting Krogan and doing all that stuff, it hits different if you imagine him as like an adolescent. Right. <laughs> no, but the one the one detail I think is cool though is that regardless of the ending that you get, he starts shooting at either Vito or the ship, and both times he discharges a heat sink. Mm-hmm. And the heat sink falls. And depending on the situation, either the gas then goes and incinerates Vito or the gas blows up a column that falls on Zaid. And then you get, you know, he just starts yelling and then Shepard kind of gets to be like, I told you, like, this is this is what your anger led you to. Your anger led to you being trapped under a column. And now, now calm down. Yep. Let me help you. This is also a funny fight. Like, that scene where there's like lots of fire and stuff from like that ship going over or whatever the thing in the factory was. For some reason, my Zaid got stuck on like one of the platforms or something. It's like it just had fire, just kept roasting. There's, there's so much fire, and I'm still, I'm still kicking myself. As I said before, I'm still kicking myself about not remembering that he's the leader of the Blue Suns. He has the Blue Suns logo tattooed on his neck. He does. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, how did I not notice that before? <laughs> like it's right there. To be honest, we- until you pointed it out, I forgot that that's that what that was. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, it's kind of obscured a little bit. It's like half sticking out through his collar, but like it's like once you're like, oh yeah, that's the Blue Suns logo. Like you can mm-hmm. see, you can totally see that. And uh, we did actually get an email from a user uh, named Gene Scott uh, after our Omega episode, and he said that uh, one of you mentioned that you would have liked it if someone recognized Zaid, and someone does. And this refers, if I can edit in here, this refers to when you you go to recruit Morden and you have to join the mercenaries. Mm-hmm. And so if you bring Zaid with you uh, to the mercenary recruiter uh, and uh, picking up from uh, Gene's email, it's in a back room where the Blue Suns are making their plans. The guy in charge is a battalion and he says something to Z- Zaid like, what are you doing here? Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I've also never brought Zaid over there. I'm like. 
So, oops. Yeah. So, so yeah. thank you, Gene, for that email. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that that's a cool little detail that, yeah. Cause I mean, like I said, like you and we encounter the blue suns repeatedly throughout this game. And I have to wonder for as much as we fought them, we take out, we take out, like we take them out wherever we meet her here. Like what kind of infrastructure is left for them? Is like, do we like completely wipe out the blue suns? Is that gang now no um, longer a threat? Definitely to the not. No, they, they definitely no. make a return in, in mass effect three. Um, I mean, I guess next man up. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess I guess Vito, he he just he set up a good support system. So like, hey, if I get right. taken out, players can still keep on running. I guess the same could kind of be said of the blood pack. I mean, we go to their, you know, clan warlock on Tuchanka, which we talked about last time. And, you know, we, we take them out at their source and we fight them wherever we encounter them throughout space. Um, so yeah. it could also be something like, like where if they, if they did take out everybody else, someone else might be like, Hey, names available, taking it. <laughs> like who, who, who who's going to fight me for the copyright on this? <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, I mean, Shepard is a, a one person like wrecking crew for these gangs. Like they, they have operations all throughout the galaxy, and Shepard is just single-handedly, well, single-handedly with the aid of two squadmates of your choosing, um, you know, dismantling their operations left and right. Maybe I missed it, but does he explain why they called it the Blue Suns at all? Don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's ever. I don't think that's ever addressed. Like I get like the Blues was like the hottest part of it, but I don't know. Kind of wondering why it's like Blue Suns. Isn't uh, there like a blue sun reference in Firefly? Maybe. I'm thinking of something. I, I, it's been a long time since it, I've seen Firefly stuff. So go back to the, the, the old files there. I mean, a blue star is like a thing. Mm-hmm. Very massive star that um, is burning super hot. But um, I don't know. I think, well, I think actually, that no, might be that, it. Like that might be all of the symbolism. But, and, but that's interesting. Rage motif. Mm-hmm. It all fits. Mm-hmm. Burning the hottest. Yeah. 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 Also, together at all, it's just that simple shot just makes the entire thing go into chain reaction. Like, you know, this place was, was a death trap anyways. So, you know. Well, yeah. We just uh, <laughs> sped it a lot. I, I think that's part of it for sure, right? It's like this was already not like, I mean, this is a Blue Suns operation, right? Like, it was already bad news. Yeah, a safe the, place the, to be. It wasn't originally Blue Suns. It was the, it was a uh, oh my Colin, I was like, uh, yeah, but it, Elfell Ashland. Yeah, yeah. but it, it hadn't like the Blue Suns taken it over or something. Or what the hell was Vito doing yes. there? Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, they, they just recently, I think, recently just took it. Like fair, they were supposed to reclaim it, and it's like, uh, but yeah, even if they've only been there for a short time, it's still a little pretty quick for the facility to be falling apart. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting that. Zaid tells you, like, oh, yeah, we just have to go. There's this, you know, refinery that the Blue Suns took over. We just have to take it back. Like, he doesn't mention, like, oh, yeah, and also, like, my arch nemesis is here who I I entirely just want to put a bullet in his head and I don't care about the refinery. Right. <laughs> like, if he had, like, if he had said that to Shepard at the get-go, like, oh, yeah, no, we have to go take out this dude. Like, Shepard's approach to this mission, I think, becomes a little bit different because, I mean, he's st- he or she is, st- if you're playing Paragon, you're still going to be concerned about 
the you know the lives of the people that are in the facility right but I, I think still though like then you're like okay like no we are here for this purpose so you know Shepard's gonna be a little more lenient as far as like okay yeah like you want to kill this dude go kill that dude yeah but maybe try to try change the approach a bit but considering Zaid's personality no matter what it was gonna go guns a blazing oh yeah so any anything else on Zaid or does that pretty much wrap up that mission that went pretty quickly um, the only thing I would I have a question on here is this little bold line you have over here. Uh-oh. It's about, it's about some monkeys. What, what's what's this right here? <laughs> oh, the, I guess there were piejacks on the planet. There are definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah, when you land, notes, so. yeah, there's piejacks for sure. Yeah. I didn't even Which, notice. I was just like, just like, just highlighted the monkeys. Like, all right. What about the monkeys? They're, yeah, they're right at the beginning. The, yeah, those monkeys. Well, we already ripped the E-tag off on, uh, or I guess put the E-tag on this episode right at the beginning. So, those fucking monkeys. <laughs> well this i'm trying to remember when exactly i did this but yeah i think it this might have been one of the first times i saw the piejacks in uh mass effect 2 when i did this because we we talked about them last time because you see them on tuchanka and i was a lot i was a lot less uh perturbed by them yeah tuchanka creatures like are always getting everywhere also this is something i just realized how are the piejacks survived very strong Everything else is vicious except for them. They're like scavengers, though, and they they seem to reproduce. Um, like I feel like they kind of reproduce like rabbits, you know. Rabbit, also, rabbit monkeys. They're also good at like fitting in like little crevices large predators can't get at. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I guess for Chunga, that would make sense. That'd be a very scary species to let off off world then. Which, well, they they are, aren't they? They're all over the place. Mm-hmm. So you're about to say something, Chip, before we get on. Oh yeah, the uh, the firefight that you have, like the big one uh, in here. I, it, that one always. How'd y'all feel about it, like difficulty wise? Because I think it's one of the more enjoyable ones in here. Like, you can drop the um, you can drop the containers down. You can blow stuff up. There's I think multiple. Mechs. Yeah, there's multiple mechs, and you've also got the little like side rooms that mobs mm-hmm. keep coming out of. Like, so you'll find a spot for cover, and all of a sudden you're being a hit from the other side because like a room opened up behind you that now people are coming out of. So it's it's oh, it's an adequate challenge. I mean, it's I think one of the problems with DLC is that because it's available as soon as you pay for it, and in the case available from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too easy that you can fall, I think, fall into the trap of trying to do it before you're ready. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think for, like, for me, like, I played this, I played this one this time later on, and it was much easier when I first played it. Like, the first time, I was like, this is a bit tricky. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have everything I need. Yeah. And, I mean, and it, it, it's not clear on your first playthrough that not only, like, okay, because this is DLC, you should probably hold off on doing this a little bit, but also... It's not like you get any major benefit from this. I mean, you get the little upgrade to Zaid, I think. You get um, you get another appearance for him, which, I mean, that's a nice little customization, but that doesn't help you from a, a combat standpoint. Yeah, I do think you do get some weapons. There is, like, I think a weapon that you can pick up in there at one point. But other than that, like, I don't, like, it's not like you get any, like, significant boost to your character or any, like, significant amount of, you know, experience or anything to really justify the difficulty 
Like this, like this is really something you you know you should not do this mission first. No, not really. No, no, certainly not. Yeah, I mean, this is I I think I've done that on a previous playthrough too, but I like to leave all of the loyalty stuff for when the first sort of Enic original character loyalty missions start opening up. Yeah, after after Horizon, after Horizon, yeah, that feels like the right point to start bringing this stuff in. Yeah, it's yeah, that's uh. That's actually my problem in Mass Effect 3 is that I tried to do one of the, the, the DLC missions too early and I that kind of just killed my playthrough. And I was like, I need to I need to kind of work around that and I never never did. So we'll actually, we'll talk about that though when we get oh, to Mass yeah. Effect 3. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's actually a good point because like I think one of the DLC missions makes more sense to play it early, but the other ones it's like you need to delay them. You've uh, really gotta sit I mean, yeah, most of the DLC missions for that you really gotta sit on um like until until near the end of the game. Actually, I could say that for like the two the the DLCs like Zaids and Kasumi's you can play like in the mid, but the other ones need to be played later on. Right. It's like you want to get the characters immediately, um, but then kind of don't defer everything. I mean, you can. I don't even know if we've talked about it yet, but you can do like Firewalker kind of whenever you feel like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that one's like a, I kind of almost forgot about that mission. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty easy to. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah we'll talk about those when we we get to them because there are there are some little peccadillos to them that I noticed this time that were a bit annoying that um, it, all depending on when you do them in the order and whatnot. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think though if that wraps up what we have to say about Zaid, and even even though I disagree with him on some of this, he's still my boy. Um, but if that wraps up what we have to say about Zaid, let's move on and hear about Kasumi's loyalty mission. Partner Keiji was killed recently, and the gray box that contains his memories is in the possession of Donovan Hawk, the weapon smuggler who killed him. Kasumi's condition of employment with Cerberus is that Shepard must help her reclaim the gray box. They take a shuttle to Hawk's residence where he is hosting a party. Shepard is undercover under the alias of Gun. Shepard and Kasumi are bringing a statue of Saren as a gift, it contains a cache of weapons they are smuggling into the party. Hawk greets Shepard and Kasumi at the door, and the statue is scanned and an odd results come up. The statue is ultimately permitted inside, but Kasumi is denied entry. Shepard enters alone, and Kasumi remains on comms. Shepard has to find a way into Hawk's vault, searching for clues and interrogating guests while maintaining the charade. Shepard learns that Hawk has yet to figure out how to enter KG's gray box. Shepard finds the password and enters the vault. They get out of their formal wear and into their armor and are joined by Kasumi. Shepard and Kasumi finds the gray box, and a hologram of Hawk's head appears and explains that he let Kasumi get herself trapped in his vault so she can open the gray box for him. Shepard and Kasumi fight their way out of the vault and blow a hole in the wall using a Mako cannon to escape the residence. Hawk appears with a gunship, and Kasumi jumps onto it to hack it and destroy it. After dispatching the rest of Hawk's forces, Shepard and Kasumi are able to take a shuttle back to the Normandy. Shepard must decide whether to let Kasumi have access to Keiji's memories or keep the gray box and learn Keiji's secrets for himself. Yeah, so that's a fun one. That's just fun. <laughs> yup. <laughs> and I mean, it can be a bit difficult that, I mean, that fight at the end, that fight on the, actually, it's not that hard of a fight at the end, I don't think. I think this, you know, as much as we were saying just now, like Zaid's mission, you kind of should probably hold off on because you get like the mechs in that room and stuff. This one here, I mean, it, you know, the, the, the fight at the end in the, the, uh, the museum, for lack of a better word. The fight uh, at the museum. 
Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Just a little less but, Robin uh, Williams in it. Uh, that that fight can be difficult, but uh, no, I mean, the first part, though, where you're just smoozing at the dinner party, the only real advantage to holding off on doing this is you get to hear secondhand more of your exploits through the dinner party guests. Yes. Like, if you go for, if you go first thing, you haven't done anything for them to talk about. But as you go around, they're like, oh, yeah, like, I heard about this thing happened over here, and I'm totally capitalizing on this piece of uncertainty that was caused by some weird explosion over here. And you're like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. yeah I always do this one very early because uh, Loyal Kasumi is ridiculously powerful as a squad mate. But it, it is it is fun to like wait and sit on it and hear about all your cool stuff or, you know, just watch a YouTube video, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's something, you know, the the ways that. Shepard's actions reverberate through the game is one of the nice little features that Bioware has really developed throughout their series of games, because not only, I mean, yes, in this instance, you hear about, you know, some of the people talking about how it's affected them, but you have, especially when you're on the, you know, the, the, the civilized planets, they have the news that automatically plays that you can hear some of, they have the news, little, uh, little news screens you can actually go up to and hit. And you manually request and you can just stand there for like five minutes listening to all the headlines, you know, like 75% of which are the direct result of your actions. Um, and especially in this game, some of the headlines are, you know, following up on stuff from Mass Effect 1 and some of it, you know, as, as the game progresses, you know, becomes more about what you've done in Mass Effect 2. So, you know, grading that into the game. So it feels organic. It's not like... It doesn't feel like some kind of clunky thing like, oh, hey, like go talk to this random NPC and he's just going to spout off, you know, like, you know, everything you've done by looking at your save file. <laughs> yeah. So what I don't I don't I don't know. It's, I, it's like, I don't know what to say about that. I just like I just like this mission. I don't know what to say. About <laughs> I mean, it's fun. I, it's got like a little bit of choice. Like you can choose how you get into the bedroom. It's got, you know, you can choose the order you do things in. Uh, it's it's just different. Like it, it plays really different. Like it's, you're solo for most of it. And, you know, kind of like the fight at the end is super cool and reasonably challenging. It's got a little It's got something for everybody, I would say. Yeah. I really, I really enjoy the gun you get out of this. I may have used it for the rest oh of my, my playthrough. That's the other reason I do this mission right away is that locust. Like, it kills me that you don't get it till the near the end of Mass Effect 3 because I love that gun. Yeah, it's, it's probably a, my it single might... favorite weapon in the game. It shreds through things so well and it feels so satisfying to use. And the re like the recoil is so limited. Like, it's just, it's very simple point and click submachine gun. Yeah, it was really helpful with my kit because before that point, it's like the engineers like can only use submachine guns and, and pistols. It's like, oh, now I feel less useless. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Because the damage output, like that's when, like when I play on Adept, it's the same deal, right? Like you get submachine guns and pistols, or maybe I don't have to unlock submachine guns. I don't remember, but like it's where I switch from doing just like pure biotics to also feeling like I can, you know, shoot guys when I need to love that gun. Yeah, did anybody else use the, uh, form aware that she wears for the, for their casual outfit for the rest of the game? Cause I liked it. I did. I always do on, well, I do on a uh, male shepherd cause it looks comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, the female shepherd. Now I don't, I think I just, I don't. Yeah. And what about what about that vault they have over there? All the all the cool shit in it. Oh, the the Statue yeah. of Liberty head. I love that. 
There, yeah, there, there's so much stuff in the Rachni statue. There's uh, Michelangelo's David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a demon spawn from Dragon Age. That is very good, yes. Uh, what else? A Prothean statue from Ilos. It's like, how'd that uh, get there? Actually, how did Somebody Moses- clearly took that from Ilos. Well, I, I guess they took it from Ilos. I mean, unless those statues were found elsewhere in the galaxy. I mean... Uh, we only encounter them on Ilos. They could have been dug up somewhere else, I guess. But yeah. And then uh, what else? Which makes you wonder, the last time we saw a statue of a mass relay, it turned out to be active. That is true. Yeah. That is a little concerning. So yeah, that, maybe that's um, the next mass effect. Is it something's going to pop out in, in what's left of Hawk's vault? <laughs> 700 years true. in the future or whatever. The uh, the password used to unlock this yet is uh, the last name of the person who stole the Mona Lisa. Ah, oh, okay. That makes sense. Otherwise, it's like, that's a weird string of words. Like, oh, okay. That's actually the last oh, name. That makes that, more okay. sense. <laughs> okay. Perugia or whatever. Yeah. Wow. How many times I could just tell you what, like, the password is. <laughs> Yeah. How'd you all feel about Trevor's name becoming Mr. Gunn or Mrs. Gunn? I love it. I mean, it's it's dumb and simple. It's the whole thing just feels so like James Bond inspired and and I love it. Well, it just seems like mostly Shepard's like I saw it's like how we mostly solve our problems by shooting them with our guns. That's right. <laughs> I'm Mr. Gunn. Some kind of kid just comes up like Who's your secret agent name? Gun. Mr. Gun. Mr. Gun. <laughs> where where do we think Hawk is from? Like what is his accent? Wasn't it like like some kind of like Scottish Irish kind of thing? It's really weird sounding. Yeah, like I can't. it's it, it's not sound kind of sounds like I have no idea. I think they were trying to go for a Scottish or a Scottish and kind of mixed a couple together. Ooh. Okay. And also it could be the uh, accents have mixed together. I mean, that's that's the built-in excuse, right? It's like, ah, it's future act, but okay. Yeah, it, it is very... Yeah, it, it, it is very like... It, on the one hand, it sounds like, oh, I should be able to place that. And then you're like, I don't know if I can quite... And then uh, one of the other details that I liked is that as you're going around, there's a TV and it has a cartoon Krogan on it. I don't know if I've ever... Yeah, one of the TVs is a little cartoon. It looks like a little like, Krogan animated show or I'd something. I'd watch that. Yeah. Same, yeah, definitely. G.I. G.I. Oh. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a bad idea about just a... It's a, it's a for girls version of Krogan show. A little pony version of the Krogans. Oh no! Don't it? My little my Krogan. Little, my little Krogan. <laughs> oh god! Oh, both bad. Real bad. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I now have like both of those '80s show theme songs competing in my head for airplay for airtime, and I don't like it. So, <laughs> like, yeah. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I. One of the reasons I, I do like this mission is because I 
Like, I don't usually use, I only talk to her, you know, to, to get the latest gossip on, uh, you know, what's going on on the ship. And it's like, she's like, I, I mean, I guess she's like a strong companion on this mission. Like there's a lot of back and forth with her, not to say that you don't get Zaid's like personality on his mission, for example. Um, but she, I think she's a lot more vibrant in this mission. I think she's a lot more vibrant of a person you could say, um, you know, this also, like, she's up front about how personal this mission is to her. Yes. Unlike Zaid earlier, who, oh, no, like, really, I'm here to kill this dude and the factory's in- incidental. Here to get this personal thing to me that I need to get back. You know, my ex-boyfriend died. This is this is all I need this. And this is all that I care about. So it's already you kind of, you're, you know, you're coming from a different angle here. Uh, because, yeah, I, I mean, there's a, I think there's a certain logic in all this stuff that, you know, in that vault that clearly doesn't belong to Hawk. I mean, yeah. A certain, you know. It belongs in a museum. Like Shepard could kind of get all righteous about that if he wants. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is such an interesting, and like the choice you make here has a pretty, well, relatively speaking, like big impact uh, on the ongoing story. But yeah, I, I really like Kasumi's character. I'm sad that she was relegated to DLC status, if that makes sense, because I feel like she deserved more time than she got. But um, yeah. I'm curious because, I mean, and I know, like, they only have so much time to develop and flesh out all the relationships, but, um, like, she's actually one of the characters I would have been interested in romancing if it was an option. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's like, it's it's disappointing that, you know, like, okay, she's interested in Jacob, but, like, you know, let me see her and Jacob hanging out. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, kind of wonder, like. Maybe that's what I need to do on my next playthrough is just play with the two of them all the time. They do have happens. a couple fun interactions in the Citadel DLC and Mass Effect 3. So you'll at least get to enjoy that. Okay, good. Yeah. There's one in particular that's really entertaining. What did you guys do with the date with the, the memory cube? Did you let her keep it? Like, what do we... Yeah, so let me... I want to back up on talk about this gray box for a second. I'm going to assume that the actual implanted thing is not the size of the item that they hold in the game, because that thing is huge. Like, I don't know how you're getting that in somebody's skull. It's enormous. I mean, unless it's like... Unless they're like redoing it, and that's actually what became their brain. That... That's messed up. Yeah, that's also <laughs> really... I mean, that I can see why these are illegal. It's big but i mean so i'm i'm hoping that it you know is encasing a smaller thing that was in actually in the brain um i let her keep the gray box seemed like she really wanted to yeah i let her keep the gray box but i started thinking about it afterwards I'm like is that really the healthiest thing to do for somebody <sighs> yeah it's a tough yeah I- I don't know. This is where you're kind of encouraging her worst impulses to kind of, rather than move on, to kind of dive in and, and, and get back into it. I mean, there's a there's kind of an outcome where she just kind of lives in the gray box kind of thing, or, you know, she's always going back to it without actually, right. you know, like, continuing to, you know, engage with the rest of the world as, as yeah, a person. I, I feel like that um, her, her uh, he didn't want her to do that because, like, just let his digital ghost die, and then she let her be able to move on. But that seems kind of horrible to also let that get deleted because that is the last memory. Well, it's uh, there's that Black Mirror episode with Haley Atwell, and I can't uh, remember the name oh, of it. Oh yeah, uh, um, where uh, Dom Hall Gleason is, and then uh, she's able she finds a service that she gives them all his social media information, and then they send a perfect like robot replica of him that 
it's like him, but it's still little weird things. And then like, ultimately like she has to come to terms with the fact that he's gone. And I guess this robot does help her in the end, but it, but yeah, but it's the same kind of thing at the end of it. Like this, this, especially in the world of mass effect where we have, you know, literal AI, like, you know, an AI race of the, you know, in the geth, um, you know, to, to, you know, is deleting a program or deleting a memory like that. Is that akin to murder or is that just, no, I'm just deleting a file and it's, it's just, it's just a, a facsimile and it's not actually anything relevant. It's not, it's not actually, uh, what's his name? KG. Yeah. So, you know, assuming it's really up to her to let, let him go. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, it, maybe this, this is like, you go it first. I, so I was just going to say the the data, like the memory that, that KG has that is so valuable. Y'all know what it is or. Cause it, I think it ties directly into the arrival DLC in this game, which is a nice, a nice nod. I don't think I know that. Yeah. So if you, if you keep the gray box, if, if you like let somebody extract from it, cause I mean, if you give it to Kasumi, you don't find out. So the only way to find out is to actually like keep it from her, which is a thing you can do, I believe. Uh, or there's some way to find out anyway, but bottom line is KJ finance rating, uh, the Batarian lab that's studying Reaper tech, uh, which is, I think, part of the arrival DLC is like you end up on a Batarian yeah. planet in, and yeah. that's your, your, uh, person you're there to find initially is, is caught there. So, yeah. Okay. Just a fun little tie in. Yeah. Actually, yeah. a very good tie in. So that's what's in the, a little more important than my, which... my thing, what I want to talk about. Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> One thing is like, is it like, I don't know why, but a lot of these, some of these characters, it, when they bring in a secondary person, are the most basic model. This KG's very boring looking person, very generic dude. I'm like, really? I had a more exciting image in my head than what I'm seeing right. here. Especially with like, I mean, he got he got 30 seconds of screen time. I feel like the character designers are just like, eh. especially on like a DLC, like, eh, throw it out the door. It just go ahead. He, He's supposed to be a master thief, much like Kasumi, and so his ability in, and so he has to look bland so that he can fit into whatever scenario, so nobody sure. remembers what he looks like. And also, Kasumi leads a very exciting life of, you know, crime and espionage. To counterbalance that, she would be attracted to somebody who has a very basic look and is very <laughs> simple and doesn't, doesn't cause a lot of excitement in that way. There you go. Yeah. So go there, guys. If you want a really want a very attractive thief in your life, be boring as shit. <laughs> well, you can't be too boring because he did find out about the Reapers and get killed. So you still so have to have that going that. for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jacob is kind of yeah, he's borderline boring. I would say he's got a type. She'd probably more be more into Caden than. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, that's what I want out of the, the ME3 DLC is I want her to be stuck between Jacob and Caden. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a real white rice off right there. <laughs> like bland toast. So one interesting was that it's odd that if you keep the, or letting her keep the gray box is in the Paragon position. Gray box is in the renegade position, or I guess maybe not destroying, but at least you keep the Gary box and then you can decide what to do with it. Um, because from my perspective, it seems like the renegade thing to do is to be more like, 
I'm just going to do what I need to do to keep you happy. I'm not really going to care about what's best for you. So if you want the gray box and that's what's going to shut you up, then you do that as long as you're loyal. I don't care. But like as the Paragon, I would think you should actually be invested in her and actually think about, is this the right thing for her? Is this what's, what's appropriate? Maybe maybe it is to that degree. I don't, um, you know, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, but I just, it felt to me a little bit off. Like maybe what you're doing is the paragon really isn't the paragon. It's also here. kind of weird one. Cause it's, it's think- like, what actually be the, the best way to do that? Cause I feel like taking the choice away is worse. It's like, it works out better than just like, Hey, this is what we like. So maybe there should be like another option instead of doing that. Like, Hey, it's like make a copy or just uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I can't think of it right now. Okay. That might be a duplicate. Anyway, just- no, yeah. Yeah. I, this is tough because I think, I think you're right, Kara. Like the Paragon decision is to leave the decision in her hands and let her come to the moral decision she thinks is right. It is not healthy for her, though. So I, you could argue this one either way, like whether it's right or wrong to take it away, because it's not. It's not like, like, cause it's not like she are destroyed. You're not doing that. You're just saying, Hey, you probably shouldn't live in this like weird VR fantasy land with your dead boyfriend. But then how many of us would like to actually have a dead loved one, be able to do that. If you like interact with them again or have some kind of conversation with them again. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be something too that happens pretty regularly i would think with the prevalence of vis throughout the galaxy and especially vis with full human you know avatars um you know thinking specifically of like avena on the citadel that you know or even then if you want to think about uh mouse selling the shepherd vis mm-hmm. on uh again on the citadel um you know like what's to say that there aren't people out there who aren't buying these VIs and then, you know, kind of like a, a variation on uh, what was it, the movie her or, uh, or, or Bender falling in love with the, uh, the oh, Lucy Lubot. I think of the actress Lucy, yeah, Lucy Lubot. Yes. <laughs> that, that, you know, these kind of, you know, that the, there's gotta be a, a, some kind of problem in society, like a certain number of people per year that get into these kind of very unhealthy relationships. Maybe we've got to the point where it's like, yeah, you know what? That's fine. I mean, maybe maybe that's the real solution. Have the Krogans fall in love with robots instead of giving them a genophage, and then <laughs> then they just won't reproduce as much as they do. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I I don't know. Like, it, it raises a lot of questions because it's like, yeah, do you make like, is it illegal to? And like, gray boxes are very explicitly said to not be legal. Uh, you know, like possessing them is is also considered unacceptable. So. Is you know is is this part of the reason why is so that you can't have like a weird stuck in tongue of yourself and and like leave people hung up on it because I I don't know also I feel like they kind of skirt around this issue in this game yeah. which is unfortunate I also kind of wonder if maybe this is like they kind of worry that this gets closer too close to getting into AI tech technology so they don't want to push it too close to that because guys is they're trying to keep make sure things don't get too close. It becomes sentient. So, if you could save your memory and have that, like, it be able to live in, as a ghost, that's kind of, uh, or getting closer. Yeah. No, definitely. Your definition of live, but yeah. Sure. 
Uh, so, so I guess given all the complexities on this, can we say that it's a morally gray box? Uh, <laughs> uh, I should have seen that one coming. <laughs> Oof, yeah. I mean, it definitely it is a morally gray area. I'll give you that. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what the right choice is. I, it's it's really hard because I'm sitting here thinking about like, would I you know want to converse with a you know a loved one who's passed away? And like, I think yeah, but if it's like emulated through a computer, it's not real. I feel, and, I, and I think I feel like we're getting close to matrix techno matrix areas of what is real. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because if we looked at that gray box, that would look very real, like. Especially with the mm -hmm. modifications and everything else, like those eyes, it's like, how much can you touch? How much can you do? Yeah. But overall, though, and I mean, it could just be a facade. Like I said, Kasumi seems like she's one of the more, I mean, she seems, a little, I guess she's a little bit nosy, but overall, she seems like she's pretty well adjusted coming out of everything. Well, Again, are we because, sure? Well, we'll be. Well, no, but because like the problem is like with all the other crew members, like Shepard gets to have these long back and forth dialogues where you really get to dig into them to find out. But with Zaid and Kasumi, all Shepard gets is like this just like one sided, like I'm just going to tell you a story. Or I'm just going to tell you these things I've noticed on the ship. Nothing. You don't right. really get to probe into them to find out how how much they're affected by things, you know, what what's really going on yeah. with it. And so it, it like from a cursory level, it's like, oh, no, it's like. Sumi's fine. Even if she takes the gray box and like, you know, maybe that's not best for her. Like she's still gonna be fine. But it's like, really, we don't know because she doesn't get that back and forth where you get to make those choices in the dialogue as yeah. you go along. So it's really right. hard to well, get Well, I kind of realize she actually is probably not as fine as everybody else because she's one of the more jokey members of the crew. Makes a lot of, a lot of jokes. And that's usually kind of a sign of, of deep turmoil because like try to cover up your pain. Mm -hmm. That's also true. Yeah. It's just, you don't get to dive into or talk to them as much. It's like, I'd like to, I'd like to actually have this one-on-one, -on -one, like, ask the ask questions. Yeah. I mean, we could, I, I guess you could almost try to figure out, like, okay, because what is it? They were, like, $5 back in the day, like, $5 each. So, $5 gets you a few, some one-sided dialogue and a fairly well thorough, a fairly thorough, well thought out mission. Like the mission, no complaints. And then you get like some upgrades that come along with that. Um, so how much then would like a full character with like a full, I don't mean that like in a romantic, I mean, just like a real, you know, like as two people have any kind of connection, like a relationship, you know, like how much would that be worth? Would that $15? I mean, what, what's, what's the value of their development time? Um, you know, assuming they, they were able to to plan that out ahead of time. Yeah, that's tricky. And uh, can they go back in and uh, plumb that into the rest of the game so you can't, like, like what happens, like, if you want to, if you're already locked into a romance, then what do you do? Like, do you say, okay, to, to romance her, and then, like, people are annoyed about that? I don't know. I don't know what the right answer there is. Well, that's what if you're ever with somebody and you meet somebody else that you're interested, just be like, oh, she's DLC that came along late. I have to leave you. <laughs> I mean, that is pretty much most breakups, huh? <laughs> That's funny. So do we have anything else to say about Kasumi, or do we want to get into any of the DLC? 
uh, or not the DLC, the other, uh, any, uh, get into like a side quest mission here or two. I think I've got everything I've said about Masumi right now. Okay, so let's take a look. Did we talk about the, uh, the mission to... Actually, yeah, let's do this one here. I guess it's the first one that I have listed here. The, uh, the, the, the quarian ship here, that one. The downed one? I don't remember if we did. That's the one where you land and there's like a downed quarian ship and you got to shoot a bunch of, I want to say, Varen or Varen-like dudes. It's a bunch of Varens because it's all the Varens and Pijaks. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like, yeah, it's a jungle planet. Yeah, I remember this. It's very, it's literally just like pop down here, find the the um, survivor and then shoot Varen for a while until you get evac'd. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not too bad. It's interesting because you read some of the, the, the signs. Like there were there were other survivors, but everybody just starts slowly just succumbing to infections and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a rough it's, way to go because they were down there. So yeah, see, see like the Quarian ship crashed. Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, yeah, they crashed. They like took damage and crash landed and have been slowly dying. That's rough. I wish there was like more yeah. that came out of this because it's like there's a cool little story in here somewhere that there's just not really an ending to. I don't feel like. Well, I wonder if some of these weren't, you know, like ideas that they had. I'm sure at some point they wrote down like a whole can what missions can we do, and then they're like some of them actually get integrated into the game, and some of them are like this is a good idea. We don't really have time to flesh it out, so let's right. just kind of keep it simple and make it a quick, quick. This this happens on Gay Hinnom. Uh, which is in the Sheol system in the Hades Nexus. Uh, you get a distress call for a Quarian ship. It's a jungle planet. And yeah, so then basically, yeah, you go down into the wreckage and then you have to look around to see what's going on. There's some Varen. Mm -hmm. uh, and you find Lieutenant Forzan, who is the lone survivor. Uh, face. <laughs> that is cool. That is kind of cool. Not yeah. for the Varen. He didn't like that much very much. Mm -hmm. Trying to eat my foot. No foot for you. And, yeah. <laughs> Darn. And then in a, a post-mission email, uh, there's some, uh, the wreckage is salvaged and Forzan is, is a hero. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think a lot of these little side missions are ones where they said, hey, let's, you know, maybe we'll incorporate this into the story more. Or we'll add more with it. And then they just ended up not doing it. So, you know, do you um, like, I don't think you bring your crew with you. I think I think you literally just Shepard pops down there and does some stuff. I think so. I think it is a solo one because like it it's long for a bit. It's like for being a side quest, it's it's like long just before like so many variants coming. Like when's this gonna be done? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I can't imagine them you kicking a Varen. We would have shot the Varen and coming in. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, that's a uh, that's a quick uh, side mission. And then let's do, I guess, the next one I have here on uh, Franklin, on, on Planet Franklin in the Skepsis system in Sigurd's Cradle. Uh, there's a, there are Batarians who are trying to launch some missiles. Hey. And you have to fight through the Batarians. And there's one part in this where there's like a room and I got stuck. It's, it's, the room has like endlessly spawning Batarian. Yes. And you're trying to just got to move through it. And I'm like, no, I can kill. Yes. And I'm like, 
there for like 20 minutes. I'm like, why, like, why, like, what am I doing wrong here? And the answer was, I was trying to kill them all. You're really just supposed to let the Batarian in the corner there. Oh, really? Um, I didn't try to get to the end and just finish it off. Yeah, get there as fast as you can. I yeah. definitely failed this mission thinking like I will move once I'm done fighting dudes because I didn't want them to come up behind me, you know, while I'm trying to do my business and stop the missiles. And that's not, yeah, that's not how this works at all. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I, thought, so, I, thought I, I thought if I didn't get there yeah, fast they, enough, I would, the missiles launched. I was like, I need to just get this done, not worry about these guys. They do. They do. I mean, there's a timer and it fails you. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah there's there's a javelin Mark II launch detected. Everybody's told to report to their hazard shelters immediately. Uh, the Alliance colony is defended by missiles. Uh, the base is compromised of the Batarians who launch the missiles, and you have to get to the control panel and disable the missiles. You have five minutes. Uh, so by the time you get to the kill switch, you can only stop one of the two missiles from launching. Yeah. So you have to choose. It's literally that guy, that meme of the guy sweating with the two buttons. Oh, for <laughs> real. Yeah. And yeah, one of the buttons uh, is to either stop the missile large population center or stopping the missile from hitting it. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, Shepard's not a monster. He picked the population center. Like, but yeah, the military target has more value i mean how many people are going to die because the military target got taken out later okay that is the that is the trick isn't it well it's like what's more value the lives or the equipment because the people the people who live can still rebuild the equipment well it's not just the equipment i mean it's 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 the capacity to defend themselves now at the same time like you know i mean there's you know it's a high value military target for a reason. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's stuff, there's value there. I mean, I don't think they ever explicitly tell you what the military target is. So I really don't know how to defend this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I'm sitting here like, does this even impact like galactic readiness? And I, and I don't know that it does. Considered it, but maybe. I, I'm always, yeah. I, I always wonder about that. Like this, yeah, this is one of those little N7, uh, I do, and it doesn't matter. Um, but in theory, you could say, well, Terry Target could take out a Reaper, and how many lives do you save taking out a Reaper? Who knows? I have doubts of the Reaper. I have great doubts about that. Oh, wow. What, well, what, what if the high-value military target is Reaper technology that we've, made, that we've obtained that is going to start uh, indoctrinating people? And so by Target, we actually save people from indoctrinating Oh, that's a... <laughs> so... Our our pontification here uh, is that the choice makes absolutely no difference. I figured that <laughs> you don't even you don't even get Paragon or Renegade for picking one or the other. That's uh, this this must be one of those things. Like let's just do this and uh, like you know they they do put out those little uh, infographs from time to time and I, I now I want to see an infograph for this. Like you know sixty seven percent of people chose the population center or you know what what you know how did this break down I, I'm curious I chose about the that. population center for the record I also chose the population Same. center because again I mean Shepard is not a monster like come on well you can play him Shepard like a monster yeah well you can I don't like to I don't I don't I don't I don't think saving the military the target makes you a monster I think it's, it's I, you're not you, there's there's you're, There's a reason for that. I mean, it's not. I mean, because I mean, fundamentally, this is a uh, this is a little bit like the uh, the Batarian DLC, 
which we have yet to get to. But I mean, this is kind of like in a, in a much smaller nutshell. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I, I, it just feels like when you have like a very stark binary choice of some people die, like some civilians die or no civilians die. It, it, it seems like a pretty cut and dried choice to me. But you're not wrong. I mean, if you would if you would have prevented more deaths in the future than like morally, yeah. Yeah, we need to know what we were protecting there. It's true. But yeah, I mean, but as I said, as much as I'm defending Shep Center, so right. ultimately I agree with you. Fair. I could find it just some, some asshole general just over there. <laughs> All right, so I think that's going to go ahead and wrap that up for this week, unless you, we want to keep arguing the morals of killing a ton of people. No, too or, much. I, it's already too many moral morality discussions i feel like this entire uh, gray boxes right? and yeah I feel like this entire uh, killing veto 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 busters villain for some reason oh vigo <laughs> yeah i don't oh, know why <laughs> yeah vigo the carpathian yeah yeah he was a rage ed ghost and ghost energy and <laughs> ghost energy <laughs> and ooze lots of ooze yeah i don't think we've seen too much ooze in this game I'll hold off for the third one. I'll be some more ooze in the third game. But exactly. But that said, thank you to Jarrett for producing an editor at Squad Goals N7 on Twitter. Also at the MASH Network. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash mash those buttons. Also on YouTube at YouTube.com slash mash those buttons. Chip, where can people find you? Uh, you could find me on Twitter and periodically Twitch uh, with the same handle, which is at WD. That's the word double Y-E-W-D-E-E. And here on the MASH Network on Wondrous Tales, where every two weeks we use Final Fantasy fourteen. Kura, where can folks find you? They can follow, follow me on Twitter at Kurabaras, K-U-R-A-B-A-R-A-S, or on twitch.tv slash Kurabara. And you can also follow, follow me mostly every week talking about Apex Legends on our Apex podcast, Dropping Spicy. What about you, Nick? I am at WookieBH on Twitter. You can also find me here on the Mash Those Buttons Network on WoW Talk, talking about Warcraft news and guild management, and over on the Torn and the Goblin, talking about Warcraft story and lore. Join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord at mash.gg slash Discord and email us your thoughts or questions. Uh, let us know what you're thinking at squadgoals at mash.gg. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us out, please share it and rate it if you can. Visit mtb.gg slash support to see all the ways you can support Mash Those Buttons and all our great podcasts including on Patreon, where for as little as $1 a month, you can gain early access to content, as well as to Patreon-exclusive content. You can also check out our Humble Bundle of one-time donation link over at mtv.gg slash support. And stay tuned to Mash Those Buttons Network. For Chip and Kura, I'm Nick, and I should go. See you, Commander. This is my favorite podcast on the network. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support MashThoseButtons Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month.
You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord slash Discord. 